0: that He accomplished for us on the cross. Lord, we thank You that He did not uh, stay dead after they killed Him on the cross. But Lord, we thank You that He rose from the dead three days later. And Father, we thank You that one day You will raise us also from the dead to be with You forever in paradise. Father, we thank You uh, that we can come to Your Word with tough questions. And Lord, we thank You that we can get satisfactory answers uh, through Your Word. Father, I pray that You would uh, guide the things that we say today. And Father, I pray that That our hearts would be opened uh, to your word. And I pray that, as always, that we would leave here uh, more like your son. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, Well, one of the uh, awkward things about being a pastor that you should know of is that most of the time when people ask questions, they always ask them at a bad time. And so uh, usually what happens with what we're going to talk about today with the uh, topic of cremation, usually we've just finished a graveside service, Everybody's standing around and somebody comes up and says, hey preacher, at about this tone, hey preacher, I'm going to be cremated, what do you think? <laughs> to which I usually say, now's probably not the right time uh, to just announce to everybody here what I think. Let's, uh let's Come back to the office and I'd be glad to talk to you, but this is probably a bad time to talk about it right here while we're sweating to death in Edgewood Cemetery. Let's go somewhere more comfortable and talk. And so, I just want to kind of lay all my cards on the table before we start. So, in in case we've never talked about this before, I would be pro-burial, okay? Okay. I think that that burial is the ideal thing to do. And so what I'm going to try to do here biblically is convince you that burial is the best that we can do biblically. Now what this means is that inevitably there's some of you here who have cremated loved ones in the past. And I don't want you to think because I make an argument for one thing over the other that you're being ostracized or that I think that you're a bad person or that you've done anything wrong. I think that the Bible... Uh, the, let me see how... Let me make sure... I, I wrote this down so I would get it right. Um, I want to I say this the right way. Uh, it seems to me that when you go through the scripture that burial is preferable to cremation but not commanded. You following me? Everybody give me a nod. Okay? So I believe that the scriptures say that burial is preferred... But not commanded. So if you've been responsible for cremating someone in the past, I don't want you to think that you've broken any commandment that is clear in Scripture. I just want to say, hey, from this point forward, let's as a church maybe think this way. And having said that, if you leave here not convinced, that burial is preferable and you decide to be cremated or to have one of your loved ones cremated and you ask me to do the service, don't think for a second that I'm going to shun you or do anything different or serve you any less than I would anyone else. You with me? This is judgment-free zone. This is like planet fitness, but for spiritual things, right? You guys need to loosen up just a little bit, right? It can be no uptight people here while we're talking about this topic of cremation. And so we'll jump into uh, a couple of statistics. Uh, In the 1960s, 1960s, 3.5% of people in the United States were cremated. In the year 1999, the percentage rose to 24.8% of people choose cremation. And in 2014, 46.7% of people choose cremation. And so this is a big deal. This is something that people are clearly doing. It's picking up traction and it's growing in popularity. What I want you to see is that a lot of things have probably changed. Would you all say, you who were around in the 1960s, that a lot has changed since 1960? And I think some of the things that have changed the most is that our culture has been secularized much more than you could ever imagine since 1960. And so I think due to an increase in secular, secularization, don't judge me, you try to say that word in front of people, uh, secularization of the culture and the economic society in which we find ourselves now, Cremation by a lot of people is preferred. A lot of people will say, I choose to be cremated because it's so much cheaper. It's so much more practical. It saves space. There's a lot of things that I've, I've heard in, uh, in support of cremation. And you guys know me by now. If you're a visitor and you don't know that I have a, a, a real thin line of sarcasm that runs straight through my body, there will be times where I say things that may be borderline sarcastic, but I don't mean to do it. It truly is an accident. Um, But I want you to see leading into this that God never does anything just because it's practical, right? So there's a big giant who's a battle-hardened warrior that needs to be slayed. And God doesn't pick the biggest, strongest warrior. He picks the smallest, puniest guy who's good at throwing rocks. And he sends him out to fight the giant. And so if we're just talking about, I want to be cremated because it's practical, God doesn't do anything just because it's practical. Uh, I said in the, the church devotion that I send out to you once a week, there's a blind and mute guy, this is where we were in our, our scripture reading for the family, there's a blind and mute guy that comes up to Jesus to be healed, and Jesus licks both fingers and sticks them in both of his ears, and then grabs the man's tongue, and the man is healed. How'd you like for me to do that one one Sunday? It would be weird, wouldn't it? Like, it'd be weird. And so, I don't want you to think that we stray away from something just because it's weird. Because sometimes Jesus chooses to do things that don't make any sense whatsoever to us. And so, here we start in, uh, in John chapter 1. And what I want you to see is that Scripture focuses on two things that I think are the leading reasons why we should uh, prefer burial over cremation. And the first one is because... The human body is very important. And the human body is to be treated with dignity. Okay? Uh, and this is known throughout all of the world, not just here. So there was a time when I was overseas, I was in the army, uh, and we had to go and we got somebody back. We got a soldier back who had died. And there's a whole group of people in the military who their sole job in the military, it's called mortuary affairs. It's their job to take care of the soldiers who have passed away and to make sure that the body gets treated with dignity. You following me? And so when someone has passed away, you still treat them with dignity. You don't just grab them by the leg and pull them wherever you need to get them. You take good care of them and you treat them exactly like they're alive. And so here we jump into the book of John chapter 1 and I want you to see um, let me back up just a minute. And so the two focuses of scripture I don't want to get out of order this morning. I want to try to stick to my notes You guys know it's safer that way if you stick to your notes, right? A lot of times it's shorter too. if You stick to your notes um, So the importance of the human body we treat the human body with dignity and also the second reason that we prefer burial over uh, cremation is that fire in the scriptures is something that keeps people warm, it's something that's beautiful, but when it is applied to a human body, and a human body is burned either before death or after death, it's a sign of judgment, and it's a sign of contempt, which we'll see in a little while later. And we as Christians, we value the body primarily because this body is something that God chose to become a man and Jesus took on human flesh, right? John chapter 1, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's where we're going to jump into. John chapter 1, verse 14, says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus became a man, so our bodies are good enough for God to inhabit, right? If you're here and you're a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit has indwelt your body. So the Greeks believed that the soul is immortal, And the body is just a prison for the soul. So the Greeks believed that when you die, your soul is actually set free. So who cares what you do with your body? But that's not us. Now, we see that the greatest thing that can be said about the human body is that Jesus took on one. And not just that he took on a human body, but that he has that human body forever. Let's turn over to Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. So I've got a lot of scriptures that I'm going to turn to today. You're welcome to write them down. You're welcome to turn to them. But for the sake of time, I'm not going to give you a lot of time to keep up. I'm going to have to keep on rolling. So Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 says this. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state, into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. And so I'm going to read that again. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, listen to this, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to to subject all things to Himself. Then we'll go over to the book of 1 Corinthians couple pages to your left first corinthians chapter 6 verse 13 and then we'll back up and we'll talk about a few things uh, about the body first corinthians chapter 6 verse 13 food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food but god will do away with both of them yet the body is not for immorality but for the lord and the lord is for the body now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself with a prostitute is one body with her? For he says the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So, I'm going to jump back into these passages in a second, but I want you to see that the body is incredibly important. So Jesus becomes flesh, dwells among us, and he lives a perfect life. This is the gospel. And he goes to the cross and he dies on the cross for our sins. And they put his body in the ground. Three days later, that body is resurrected and raised, right? Never to die again is where corinthians says that the mortal has to die so that it can be raised immortal and so jesus dies he's buried he's put in the grave and three days later when mary and the disciples and all of those other people when they see jesus what body does he have he has his earthly body which has been resurrected now, there's going to be some things that are going to leave you wanting in this explanation, but we have covered all of these things on Wednesday night. We have gone in pretty good detail in our, in our series about heaven, explaining tons of this stuff. So I want you to encourage you to come because there's a bunch of stuff that we just don't have time to get. However, what I want you to see is that the body is important. Jesus' body was important. It's put in the ground, and then that same body is raised to life again. When uh, Thomas shows up, Thomas is doubting that Jesus has been raised from the dead, and Jesus walks up to him with the same body he has that's been resurrected, and he shows him scars to say, hey, pal, this is me. My body has been resurrected. And I want you to see that heaven is a material place. Sometimes people have views of heaven that when you leave this earth, your spirit goes up, and there's just a spirit world out there, but the Bible paints a completely different picture if heaven is just a spiritual place where your spirit is with God's spirit and it's just kind of this uh, melting pot of spirits, why did Jesus have to raise from the dead physically? Is Jesus the only one with a physical body? And the answer is no. When each of us get to heaven, God willing, we will all have resurrected bodies and we will live in a physical heaven for out all eternity. You with me? Give me a little head nod. That's Wednesday night catch up stuff. And so what I want you to see also out of the book of 1 Corinthians is that there's a couple principles that deal with your body. And the first is, is that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so your body is a place that is good enough for God to indwell. Then I want you to see that Christ died, and this is, these are just four points out of 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter 6, 13 through 20. Christ died to purchase us including our bodies for himself. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die for your soul, but he died for your body also. With me? And so we're supposed to be glorifying God with our bodies. And so Jesus died to purchase us, including our bodies for himself. And then in verse 3, if Jesus... Excuse me, not verse 3, but the third point is that if our bodies don't belong to us to use as we please... But our bodies belong to Him for Him to use as He pleases. So that means if your argument has ever been, Well, I want this, it's null and void. Because as a Christian, your question or your, your, your statement should be, I want to be used to glorify God however He pleases. To say that you want something that's contrary to what God wants, not a good idea. Then the fourth point, therefore... If our bodies belong to Christ and not to ourselves, therefore we should use our bodies for his glory to be put on display. And so we should use our bodies in such a way that bring glory and honor to God in everything that we do. Following me? Now, if we treat the bodies with respect, this is serious as I can be for a second, got to take a quick time out. If our bodies belong to the Lord, right? When a family member passes away, never mind. Forgive me. Stick to the notes, preacher, right? All right. So, our body is God's dwelling place. Our body is purchased by God. Our body is God's possession. And our body is to be used for God's glory. And the body is not meant for destruction. Go over to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans, chapter 8, this is verse 11. says this. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So the spirit of God always comes to bring life, right? Always comes to bring life. So the spirit brings life to your body when you get saved. Ephesians says that you're dead in your trespasses and sins. When you come to Christ in faith, the Holy Spirit moves in, and He brings life to your dead body. Then one day, we become advanced in years, and we die, right? We die physically. And one day, Christ will come back, and He will bring life to your dead body, which is asleep, and you will be reunited with Christ in the air. And so the Spirit, Jesus, God, the Trinity, they're always life-giving, and they're not into destruction, When do you get to a point in Scripture where you just destroy something that God has called good? And the answer is you don't. We'll keep going over into the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, again. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. And I want you to see that the body will never be discarded. So your body, even when dead, even when taking up space, even when we pay more to put you into the ground than we would to burn you through cremation, your body never gets discarded in God's economy. He says this. This is First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35. But someone will say, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? He says, not me, you fool. That is which you... That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. Verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It's raised an imperishable body it's sown in dishonor it's raised in glory it's sown in weakness it's raised in power it's sown a natural body it's raised a spiritual body if there is a natural body there is also a spiritual body and so what he's telling you is that listen when you plant something when you plant an oak tree an acorn dies the acorn goes into the ground and then it's brought to life an oak tree you following me? Every seed that gets planted in the ground has to die first before it can be raised to a life-giving plant. That's just how the whole thing works. That's the extent of my farming knowledge, okay? You don't take seeds, burn them, and then put them in the ground and expect to get any sort of crop. You following me? There's imagery here that you and I, our bodies, are seeds. And when they die, they're to be put into the ground... And once they die, they're going to be raised again, imperishable. And so there's a lot of imagery here. You take a body that's dead, you put it in the ground, and then when Christ comes back, that body is raised, imperishable. Hope you see the imagery that God is working with here. And if, if you think, well, preacher, that's just imagery. If you were to go to the Old Testament, there's all sorts of times when God gets real 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 bent out of shape when people mess up imagery that he's got set up you go to the book of kings and saul is the king and the prophet uh, i believe it's samuel at the time the prophet samuel uh tells saul who's the king wait for me to do the sacrifice and saul doesn't wait for him and saul plays the role of prophet priest and king And God says, no, that imagery is meant for Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. And it's after Saul Saul makes that sacrifice that he wasn't supposed to that the Lord is done using him. There's another time in Scripture, go to the book of Exodus, Moses. Moses is in the wilderness. Uh, They don't have any water. And so God tells Moses, strike the rock and I'll give you water. He strikes the rock with his staff. Water gushes out enough to feed millions, enough to quench the thirst of millions of people. The next time the people are wandering in the wilderness and god says moses speak to the rock And moses takes his staff out of anger and he strikes the rock again And the rock being an imagery of christ was only meant to be struck one time And when moses messed up that image that god was painting it was enough for moses not to enter the promised land And why didn't he get to enter the promised land because he didn't regard the lord as holy And so, brothers and sisters, when you mess up the imagery that God has put in place, he takes it very, very serious. And so, if we keep going, we're in the book of 1 Corinthians, you see that the body is compared to a seed that gets put into the ground, dead, and then it's raised to life. Then he says, so also, this is verse 42, is the resurrection of the dead, sown a perishable body, raised an imperishable body, sown in dishonor, raised in glory, Sown in weakness, raised in power. It's sown a natural body and it's raised a spiritual body. And all of this scripture breaks down if you burn the body. This scripture and this imagery only makes sense if you take a complete whole body and you put it into the ground. You plant it because that individual is viewed as sleeping we'll get to until a time when the body is going to be awoken and we'll hit that pretty soon sure we'll hit that right now funny you should say that first thessalonians chapter four verse five this is a scripture that we read all the time uh, at funerals it's a very encouraging scripture first thessalonian chapter four verse 15 paul is encouraging the thessalonians not to be sad because brothers and sisters in Christ have passed away. And he says this in chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, verse 15. He says, For we say this to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen apart. And the next part. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now this is pretty interesting. The first Christians, the early Christians, called places where you put dead bodies, they called them a word that we have transliterated cemetery, but the original definition of the word meant sleeping places. So when the first Christians buried the dead, they put them, not in a cemetery, but they put them in a place called a sleeping place. So if you view a cemetery as a sleeping place, don't you think that makes perfect sense why the Lord is going to descend with a shout? Why the Lord is going to descend with a trumpet blast? Hey, pal, get up. It's go time. It's time to go. I'm, I'm coming. I'm going to take you with me. Get out of bed. If you've never been in the army and woken up to the sound of a trumpet, you haven't missed a thing. Okay? it get, When somebody blows a trumpet anywhere near you, it gets you out of bed. Quick. Now, that breaks down over time because eventually you can sleep through it. But uh, it, at first... When they do it for the first time, real loud. It's just as effective as a metal garbage can being thrown down a hallway. Just as effective and just as loud. And so what I want you to see is that the early Christians viewed death as sleeping. That's why Paul says those who sleep aren't going to beat us to heaven, but there's going to be a trumpet blast and there's going to be a shout from heaven. And everybody is going, even if you've died first. So there's a ton of symbolism. You've got the sowing of the seed, and then you also have the resurrection being viewed as a body waking up from the dead. So those are your main biblical evidences for why we should bury bodies. Then you move on to, why is it not a good idea? Let me rephrase that. Why is it not preferable to burn bodies? And I'm going to use the terminology burn bodies on purpose because sometimes we use the word abortion and it it has a clinical sound to it. It makes it sound more sterile than it is. If you were to say... Uh, dismembering babies it has a much different pull to it but both of those words mean the same thing and so i'm going to on purpose use the word burning bodies for the sake of uh, making a point if you go over the book of joshua chapter 7 joshua is going about doing what the lord has called him to do and there's a guy who messes everything up. If you remember, the Lord says, follow me in everything you do. Keep my law, and you'll have success wherever you go. Well, there's a fella who is amongst Joshua's crowd, and he doesn't do that. This guy's name is Achan. You're all familiar with Achan's sin, I think. Achan goes into the city of Jericho. They're kicking butt and taking names. And Achan And the Lord, before they go in, says, don't take anything. Everything in the city of Jericho belongs to me. Achan goes in there and he goes wow that lump of gold looks real nice That robe looks real nice And so Achan grabs a few things from Jericho And keeps them when the Lord told him not to And so I want you to see what his punishment is And this is in the book of Joshua chapter 7 verse 25 I'm going to start in verse 24 It says then Joshua this is after they've figured out who done it Chapter 7 verse 24 Verse 24 Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the mantle, the bar of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that belonged to him. And they brought them up to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. And all Israel stoned them with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And so the first big punishment after the flood that you see of sin. Somebody dies, and then their body gets burned as a punishment for sin. If you keep going, over to the book of Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, says this, "...and in as such, as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes the judgment." So we all are comfortable with the fact that we're all going to die, I hope. And hopefully we're all comfortable with the fact, it should be common knowledge that after you die, there will be a judgment. And so what I want you to see is that when you die, if you are in Christ, if you have put your faith in Christ, He's forgiven you of your sin, you will go on to live with Christ forever. If you have denied Christ and you are separated from God into hell, your eternal place is in a lake of fire with Satan and his fallen angels. And so there's a lake of fire reserved for Satan and his angels. And I just want you to see that it doesn't make any sense, biblically speaking, I say this with the utmost respect, to take someone who's supposed to be planted in the ground, to be raised up to enjoy Christ forever, it doesn't make sense to do with their body the same thing that's going to happen to the body of an unbeliever who's separated from God forever. I want you to see that a body burial is much preferred not to go through the fire. So, if we keep going, I want you to know a couple facts about cremation. The first cremation in America took place in 1876. It was accompanied by readings from Charles Darwin and the Hindu scriptures. So if you wonder how cremation got its start in America, it was from, or it happened, by someone who wanted Charles Darwin read at their funeral and someone who wanted the Hindu scriptures read at their funeral. I just make a plea with you as your pastor. Don't follow them. Don't do it just because they did it. But I would encourage you to look at all of the heroes of the faith who died at a good old age. What happened to all of them? They were put in the ground. You look at Joseph when he died. Joseph dies in Egypt. And before Joseph dies, he says, gather round, sons. One day the Lord is going to deliver us from Egypt. And when he does, take my body with you take my body with you because my body doesn't belong here in Egypt. I want my body to be in the promised land that God has promised us. You let me lay here for a little while, but you promised me that you're going to put my body on the wagon and I'm coming with you after I'm dead. And so I think our plea as Christians should be when I die, you put me in the ground whole because the Lord is coming back and he's going to get me. He's coming after my body. And so a lot of people say, well, if if the Lord created everything, then if my body was burned, he can get the ashes back. Yes, he can. But when you do that, you've completely messed up all of the imagery. The encouragement should be that when you die, I get to stand over your dead body at your funeral. And I get to say that this body is important. Jesus saved this body when they were on earth and this body will not rot in the ground, but the Lord is coming out of the east and he's going to get this body because the body is important. And so that obviously leads you to a uh, couple of good questions if you're still considering cremation at this point. Okay? So if you're still considering cremation, there's some questions on the outskirts that we haven't touched. What do you do about organ donating? Oh, hey. Didn't even think about that. Well, you'd have thought about it at lunch, and you'd have said, well, he skipped right over that, that coward. Uh, so what do you do about donating organs? I've said that the human body is to be treated with dignity. And I think that if when you die, if you can donate your organ to someone's body that's living, I think that you're in good shape. Because that person's living body is just as important as your dead body. And if you have something that you can give them, by all means, I think that you're in good shape doing it. If you look at my license, I'm an organ donor. Don't take them before I'm gone, but eventually I'm going to let go of them. So what do you do then to somebody who wants their body donated to science? Now you've gotten into an ethical range that's way outside of what I'm comfortable with. But Jack Powell is going to answer every single question on Wednesday night. Any question you have. No. And John's going to help him, obviously. He just recruited John. And then, <laughs> no, if, uh, when it comes to donating your body to science, we have said that the human body is to be treating, treated with dignity and that living bodies are important just like dead bodies are. I'm not an ethics guy. I'm not an incredibly educated guy. But I think that when there's a need for medical research to save living people, I don't think that you're in bad shape if you decide to do that. I don't plan on doing it. I do think that you need to consider after you donate your body and they do whatever they do with it uh, when you've donated it to science. Uh, Maybe they burn it when they're done with it. I don't know what they do with it. Uh, I do think that you should consider the people you're leaving behind when you decide to do whatever you do with your body. And so if you're a young mother I think it makes a lot of sense that you don't do that sort of thing so that your children have somewhere they can go and remember you. you. You following me? I think that whenever you come to decisions like that, you take all of the other people around you into account and you don't just jump into it without thinking about it. You with me? So I'm saying that there's a time and a place for it, but I'm not there yet. But, I, but it's something worth considering. We could talk about more later. The last thing that I want to leave you with Is that uh, I got two things to leave you with And they're they're just things for you to consider as we go out Please, as a pastor I'm asking you Don't make cremation your last wish Wish for something much better than your body being burned You with me? When you pull your group in Don't insist that they cremate you Because that's what you want Push your family members to do great things for the kingdom of God instead of burning your body. Do that. There's a lost world. There are billions of people out there who have never heard the name of Christ. Push them to reach those people instead of doing what you want with your body. And kind of along the same note, once you're dead, with all due respect, don't ask people to carry out your decisions if they're uncomfortable with them. I think that'd be very unchristlike like to do with your last breath. You following me? I think that if your whole family is against cremation and you are for it, I think it's a selfish thing to ask your family to cremate you. And I say that with the utmost respect. If your family doesn't have much money and you want to bury your family, I would be more than happy to contribute to putting you in the ground. So that you don't have to do something that violates your conscience. You following me? And I think this would be a good practice for churches to have. To maybe have some money set aside. Where if there's somebody who can only afford cremation, maybe we jump in and help. So that they can give them a proper burial. I think these are just things to consider as cremation is on the rise. You guys following me? Alright. Sorry we don't have time for questions. Like we did the other week. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I hope, uh, I really do hope, uh, that you have been persuaded. I told you that um, I told you that that was the last one. But I, I looked at my notes one last time, and uh, I know we're hungry. But this this is worth mentioning. When everything is said and done, and the Lord comes back, this earth is going to be burned with fire. Right? This earth is not going to be destroyed, but this earth is going to be refined. You following me? Is going to be refined. In the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, if you're writing anything down, 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 10 through 17, Paul says that any man who does anything on the foundation of Christ is building with fine stones, with gold, with silver, silver, and other fine things. And he says that any man who doesn't build on the foundation of Christ is building with wood, straw, and stubble. And it says that at the end days, when the earth is destroyed with fire, everything that wasn't built on the foundation of Christ is going to be burnt up. And everything that was built on the foundation of Christ is going to last. And so this is the order of events that I think is going to take place. Whatever with the tribulation is going to take place. At some point in time, I'm not saying that they're going to have Forget I even said the word tribulation before you uh, end of time, folks. Jump me after church. At some point in time, Christ is going to come back. And he's going he's to get all of the believers that are on earth. And he's going to get all of those who have died in Christ. He's going to get all of them on earth. And the only thing left on the earth is going to be unbelievers. And then the earth is going to be burned up with fire. And so one day, everything unholy will be burnt up. And the things for Christ are going to last That's why Jesus comes back for you is so that your body isn't burnt up with the rest of the unholy things left on the earth. And that's the final push for don't jump in and do something that God has no intentions of doing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you uh, for forgiving us of our sins. Father, I thank you for preparing a place for us. Father, I thank you that one day you're not going to leave us here on this earth, but you're going to come back for us. Father, I pray that you, or Father, I thank you from rescuing us from the fire. Father, I pray that we would be a people who uh, openly and honestly take a look at your word. I pray that we would be convinced from the scriptures as opposed to what we want. And Father, I pray that That would be what we do with all of the big questions of life, not just this topic of cremation. Father, if I have spoken out of turn in any of my opinions, I pray for forgiveness. But Father, I pray that the things that were said uh, out of an interpretation of your word, Lord, I pray that they were said with boldness and with kindness. Father, I pray that each day we would love you more. And I pray that regardless of any of our disagreeances that we would have a love for each other that shows the world that we're truly your disciples. Father, lastly, if there's anyone here who's never put their faith in you, Father, I pray today would be the day that they reach out to you for salvation. That's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As you are standing for our hymn of invitation, please, I'm going to ask Red and Janet if y'all would go ahead and slip out and make your way over to the fellowship hall. And uh, any of her family uh, that's going to... Uh, that's with her here today. If you guys would slip out also and uh, make your way that direction, the rest of you guys, if you stand with us, Jonathan's going to lead us in a hymn of invitation. All right, good to see you guys, all this week, I pray that you have a great week. Uh, looking forward to uh, what the week has in store. If uh, any of you guys ever want any more conversation about anything that we talk about Sunday, Wednesday, I'm here all the time and would love to sit down with you and. Uh, Let you pick my brain about anything that I've said or uh, wish I would have said. And I just want you to know that we've got an open door. I love you guys and treasure you. I want to remind you about Vacation Bible School that's coming up. Be in prayer for it. We're also in need of a few more teachers. So uh, if you want to help in any way, shape, or form good on you. See my wife, you can call her, text her, email her, get in touch with her any way possible. Uh, she'd love to put you to work serving our kids. And then I want to remind you that Tuesday at 1.30, uh water gun fight here at the church for uh, all ages ought to be a good time. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to ask Dr. Tarkington, if you would close us in prayer, and if while you're praying, if you would also ask the blessing on the food as well.